is up what is going on and welcome in it's another edition of Ten Thousand pitches a podcast devoted to everything minnesota soccer and beyond jeremy rushing alongside dominic jose bazonio we are presented by our friends over at stimulus athletic dom how you doing i'm doing very good jeremy i got some uh some fun some fun things i'm working on uh writing wise i'm looking forward to to getting oh, back yeah. to and uh, a lot a lot of good stuff nice. going on in uh minnesota united preseason so looking forward to talking about all of it yeah it's an it's an exciting time with the preseason the, the preseason is always interesting I know, like that that storm before the calm before the storm right <laughs> uh because yeah. once once that last preseason match happens for minnesota it's going to be probably a, not a lot for that week until we actually get to the start of the regular season then you talk about leading into the summer lower league seasons right now you have rosters being announced and all sorts of details coming out and new schedules and things like that so it's really one of those times where there's just like a lot of news although there's you know i guess there is on field soccer happening with minnesota united but the season hasn't really started yet but there's still it's that time where there's still so much to talk about which is a lot of fun and we're assured that we're not talking about like losses or, you know, is a coach on the hot seat or like any of this, it's all sort of preview stuff, which, you know, that contains a lot of excitement as opposed to once we get into the season and may, I mean, not saying it will, but it could be a totally different story and a totally different vibe at that point. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously once we, once we're in the the meat and potatoes of it, it's a, it's a bit of a toss to, to, what direction and what tone we'll be we'll be using but yeah preseason you know is always a well usually a fun time obviously if the preseason goes very poorly maybe less so but uh you know i i, I more or less can recall every minnesota united preseason that we've had even the uh the one ahead of 2017 which yeah. which admittedly had some rocky narratives uh but you know e- even that one it's, it's always a good time you know the guys coming back some new players on on show and getting used to, you know, the theories people have for what's going to happen to this guy, what's going to happen. You know, it's, it's always a good time. So yeah, it's great yeah. to, great to be back to that place. And we're always a good time on the social media. Follow us at 10 K pitches. If you've not subscribed, please do so again. I said this last week, I'm going to reiterate it this week. It's very important that you subscribe specifically at this point in time. I'm just going to leave it at that. Also leave us a rating and review if you could on your preferred podcast platform as well. Um, Really cool interview I did earlier this week. Uh, If you haven't seen it, it's up on our YouTube channel, or you can listen to it as a totally separate podcast episode from this. It's an interview with Minnesota Aurora's new signings, two of the sort of Minnesota, hyper-local Minnesota signings that Aurora um, has announced in this early going. Uh, Kenzie Langdock may know her from her time uh, with the Gophers. Um, she is heading into her fourth uh, or her senior season there, but she will be with Minnesota Aurora over the summer. And Morgan Turner, who's a native Minnesotan playing college uh, soccer in Nepal, just finished up her college soccer career with the Blue Demons, and she will be with Aurora this summer as well. So really good conversation with both of them. Check that out. Again, it's a separate podcast episode from this. It's also up on the 10K YouTube channel. But Dom, let's get into it here. So two Minnesota United preseason matches under the belt um, uh, in this preseason tournament, I should say. Uh, 1-0 loss to the Timbers, a 0-0 draw with RSL just tonight at the time of recording, recording this on Wednesday evening. Uh, But let's start with the loss to the Timbers. So personally, I did not watch, uh, but everybody who did watch 
from social media told me that Abu Damadi had a really good performance as a starting striker, which is great to see. There was a scary moment as Roman Metnair, um, you know, went off and there was some worry that he re-aggravated the thigh injury that he literally had just come back from, but it was announced afterwards that he's okay, which is good. Um, and then tonight, nil-nil draw with RSL. We'll kind of get into the meat and potatoes of that, but just kind of looking at this, they played four preseason matches, and albeit one of those preseason matches, they scored five goals. But in the other three, they've been scoreless. They put up the goose egg. And it's been really finishing in the final third that's been an issue. And that sounds pretty familiar as in the early portion of last season and kind of throughout the last couple of years for Minnesota United, that's kind of been an Achilles heel of this team is their ability to not just, they haven't really having a problem created. They didn't have a problem creating chances a lot of times last year. It was putting the ball in the back of the net. And that seems to be, I guess, happening at some level here in the preseason. Although preseason, you do have to take that with a pretty large grain of salt. Um, do you, do you uh, take anything away from these first few matches, Dom, and the the scoreless nature of them? I, I guess I would just take away the, the the sense that there are things that still need to be worked on. Um, you know that that things are not perfectly locked in yet to where they need to be, but that's yeah. not concerning to me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously there are teams that get into preseason that are already kind of in their flow. They have a lot of big results in the preseason, and that goes into the regular season. That doesn't happen to most teams, including to teams that are successful. That's not necessarily a you know a common trend. There are plenty of times where people where teams have great preseasons and horrible uh, regular seasons, vice versa. So you know, yeah, uh, you know, especially in that goal scoring aspect, I imagine uh, Dinladi's come back to the team. He's been playing a lot of those minutes. Uh, he's come back to a team that has almost entirely. Not entirely, but it has lots of new people from when he was was here before. Um, so there are dynamics that need to be worked out uh, on that front. Uh, that being said, it's encouraging to hear that that everyone seems to think he's done quite well. I even saw, um, uh, I believe it was around the, the the day of the Portland game, maybe after it, uh, that uh, that Callum was tweeting sort of from his uh, obviously he's involved in the team but he was sort of just throwing out his opinion or what he his prediction he was predicting that Delati might even start one of the first couple of games of the season mm -hmm. uh just because of the 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 positive energy around him and his form and the fact that obviously he's been with the team this whole time whereas potential arrivals like Amaria haven't been um so you know I, I I don't I'm not surprised that the attack isn't flowing perfectly uh, at the same time, you know, for, for whatever negative could be taken from the lack of goals scored, I think it's cool that we stopped conceding as many after the 5-4 game. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that's as much of an important point as, as any other one. And, you know, some of the teams we're not playing, we're not still playing college teams. You know, we, we, that Portland game, that's the, that's the finalist of the last MLS Cup. You know, that's... Yep. That's the RSL obviously made a, a deep run in that uh, postseason as well. So, you know, I, I'm okay with having scrappy preseason results against teams that at least based on the previous season are, are contenders. That to me is not concerning. It did not take long for the, uh, the personnel decision-making to be questioned by the Twitterverse, Dom, uh, for Adrian Heath. 
um, as he did start a boot on Lottie in the Portland Timbers match. And the the criticism, which I think is, is kind of a fair one, was that, okay, if if Adrian Unu is presumably, presumably your starting striker, we really have no reason to believe. Now, you, know, you mentioned Callum Williams' um, thoughts on that. Maybe there's something to that. And maybe uh, Budamati being the starting striker in the Timbers match is an indicator that maybe he is maybe getting the nod in that regard. But I mean, for for me, still for all intents and purposes, your your designated player is still your starting striker, um, and Adrian Unu. And the question mark was, you know, if continuity last year was really the thing that really bred the most success from an attacking standpoint for Minnesota United. Um, shouldn't you try to develop that as much as you possibly can in the early going by having that front four, who's presumably going to be starting together with who knew up top, you know, start together in these preseason matches. What are your thoughts on that? And what are your thoughts on also Dunlady's start or Callum's comments or a combination of the two, maybe being an indicator that Heath is maybe moving in another direction at the number nine spot. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because I, I completely understand the 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 i guess i'll say criticism or concern that is raised amongst some when they see you know a, a player who's a designated player or or even otherwise a heavily invested player um uh, signed on on that sort of contract and then it being unclear whether or not they're going to be you know getting those minutes or or getting the preseason time and I, I can I can appreciate that there's some concerns surrounding the the, the fog of all that, um, and that it is reasonable to want the high value players to be playing, and yeah, your designated strike your designated player forward should probably be your starting striker. All those things are true. Um, at the same time, I guess what I would throw out there is that I would rather Adrian Heath play whoever that week seems like the right person to play. Mm. And mm. without knowing what is, you know, going on in all the training sessions and, and, you know, locker room conversations and so on, uh, you know, he's decided Abu Dinladi is that person for these matches. And so maybe that means that he's made decisions that, that are slightly different from that sort of, designated player line of thinking uh, but you know there's 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 a chance there's a chance that this means that Abu Dinladi is going to be playing a lot of MLS minutes there's also a chance that this is just Adrian Heath wanting to try something out and yeah. uh, who knows going to start the, the first match um I you know I guess I guess I would want to be careful to to uh to damn anything before I know what it looks like so, you know, sure. at a certain point, um, at a certain point, I, I kind of want to let them figure out what is going on and trust that they will at least try to uh, at least try to find a, a good solution. And, you know, hey, this is a team that used to have a pretty, pretty damn good starting forward that wasn't a designated player and maybe a. Maybe there's something something that can be pulled out of a, another forward who's not a designated player. Uh, and we'll just have to wait and see what, what that looks like. A uh, couple positives, uh, specifically from the Wednesday night draw against RSL. Um, Dane St. Clair was called upon a few times in goal. He did start in goal, played the entire match. 
um, in goal for Minnesota. Looked 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 good. Looked sharp. Had to make a few saves. He did so um, in typical Dane St. Clair fashion, kind of like we were used to seeing um, when he was sort of called upon as a starter late in the 2020 season. Um, also, their midfield pressure. For, now, again, this is just from highlights of the first match and then uh, a decent sample size of viewing in the second match. There seems to be kind of this emphasis on making life difficult for other teams to move the ball to the pitch. Um, they're, they're not really um, – it looks like in the early going, they're not set on sit, sitting back and necessarily trying to be a sit-back and counter team. They're looking to sort of play up a little bit. I don't know if you want to call it a high press. Maybe it's just more um, midfield pressure. But it seems to be forcing a lot of turnovers and creating some decent chances uh, for the Loons early, uh, early on, at least in the preseason. Again, we'll see how that translates once the regular season starts. But that's a positive that I took uh, from these first couple matches from uh, the little I was able to see. Also, you can see this as a positive or a negative, for, but Fragapani almost fought someone on Wednesday night. So that's, you know, sometimes you need that sort of enforcer presence on your team. Um, I talked last year about how it's, it's good, and, and this was about the uh, after the unfortunate incident between Fragapani and, and Diego Chara. But um, it's, you know, it's it's good to have an edge. It's good to play with an edge to a certain point that you don't step over the line, right? And so I don't mind seeing some chippiness from Minnesota United as long as you're not stepping over any lines and doing so. Um, and I know if you're doing it in preseason when the competition is theoretically not as high, um, you have to imagine that that edge will stay once the regular season gets going. Yeah, you know, like you're saying, that sort of behavior is one of those things of uh, right up until you cross the line, it's the most celebrated role in the team. And then as soon as you cross yeah. the line, you become the most hated player on the roster. So yeah. uh, it's a it's a tightrope. Fine line. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I would I, I guess the hope would be that maybe he's, uh, you know, learns to walk that line a little better uh, from what has you know been said potentially have happened before. Um, but yeah, and, and probably worth noting that RSL is known for having some characters in on its team as well. So who knows what the lead up to that was? Uh, famously very, had a goalkeeper who was not a huge fan of of Minnesota. Uh, so oh, yeah. you know, I don't know if anyone heard about that. It, it was not a big deal on Twitter at all. It's, uh, but, uh, it's uh, Dan Daniel uh, Arroya or something like that. Something that like that. Name. Something yeah. like that. He might he kicked the ball or something. Uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, so, you know, maybe, maybe that played into uh, what happened on, on Wednesday a little bit, maybe it didn't, but, um, yeah, you know, anyways, to the point of Fred upon it, it's, it's good to have grit and, 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 and all of that, uh, feistiness, I guess, uh, on the pitch during the game. It's very important teams that have none of that very clearly show they need it, uh, you know those those characters are are very important, but yeah, you know you you have to hope that him and and anyone else for that matter have matured maybe beyond last year where there are some various issues. Even that last game, you know that horrible tackle that he uh, or horrible challenge that that he put in uh, mm -hmm. that you know retrospectively probably should have uh, should have been yeah, punished bad. more. Uh, yeah. So you know. I guess that would just be the only hope is when you see that kind of stuff happening in preseason. It's like, okay, that's cool. Is this something that he feels that he's he's uh, uh, turned into a tool instead of something that's going to control him in, in yeah. big moments? So we'll see. 
Yeah, the only hope is that he doesn't turn into a tool in the process. Exactly, exactly. There you go. Um, another positive is that the uh, deal for central midfielder Kervin Ariaga is over the line. The Honduran is officially a member of Minnesota United. Um, we spoke at length last week when this deal seemed like it was in the final stages about the value and depth that he brings to the Loons midfield, um, which is which is very needed. Um, another side of this, though, is that aside from Amaria, you know, there really hasn't been too many rumors or reports or anything of any other new players that, that Minnesota United is looking to bring in. That doesn't mean it's not happening. But usually there's some wind, if not caught by Andy Grader, Jerry Zagoda, any of the guys who cover the team, it, it's caught by the Minnesota Minnesota's 11s of the world or, you know, the MNUFC News, MNUFC Insiders um, on Twitter. And we haven't seen any anything from them really either. Um, so... To me, this indicates that, you know, Ariaga being signed, you know, um, hopefully, knock on wood, Amaria gets over the line uh, sometime in the next few days or before the regular season starts. You know, seems like maybe Adrian Heath and co. were sort of satisfied with the roster that they are building to that point. And, of course, that means that if they're satisfied with that, they're satisfied with where their back line currently stands. And we've talked about how you know they're aging. Uh, Roman Metnair, some some injury issues, some uh, concerns there. You know, this. I mean, it's maybe this is an indicator that Heath really likes what he's seeing out of guys like Nabi Kim and Gucci. That he thinks they can come in and be solid players in 2022 for Minnesota if they're not not necessarily looking to bring anyone else in to fill that sort of young backup heir apparent type role um do you feel the same way yeah i mean you i i definitely agree with 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 the logic you're building off of of you know we haven't heard much uh or essentially nothing about any any additions defensively uh so therefore you imagine that means that they're working with what they've got uh but again that is that is a back line that we've we've talked about many other people have talked about is uh in many areas you know reaching uh an end of the road uh, with with some very slim exceptions, you know the the Chase Gaspers of the world, um, and 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 that is concerning to a degree because problems have been highlighted that can be connected to that that age problem. Uh, but you know, look at the same time, experience and and sort of veteran status in the back line can also be a huge tool. And you know, I, I was mentioning on the flip side of the of the lack of goals in preseason with the exception of one really wild game in Orlando. It's been a pretty clean preseason, not a lot of yeah. goals scored on us. Uh, you know, while, while the, we do have some folks that are uh, aging, a lot of them in the last two years have provided their best MLS performances of to date uh, while climbing up, climbing up in age. So, you know, I, I imagine that Heath is seeing things that he likes in them. Uh, you know, Metaner with the injury issues is a concern, but if they can keep that under control, uh, that's that's a guy that seems to be aging pretty gracefully. And uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 as long as the injury isn't resurfacing, isn't a, a big problem, I, I think that he still easily has, you know, another season as a starter. Uh, and he certainly has a quality for it. So, you know, I, I think after this season, this this topic will probably reemerge quite strongly. 
But yeah. uh, for now, I, none of these guys are necessarily at an age where it's like baffling to trust them with starting minutes. Uh, and they certainly also have quality. So uh, I'll, I'll have some faith that, you know, the folks in charge are, are seeing promising things from what they can get for them for, for 2022. Yeah, no, I forgot to mention Brent Coleman as well in that initial, uh, you know, kind of overview of the back line as obviously one of those quality options, not only off the bench, but if somebody does pick up a knock or you get into sort of a situation where you need to rotate in, he's shown that he can be a quality addition in that regard. So, um, yeah, uh, moving on, we already talked about Luisa Maria. Uh, Jerry's ago to the Star Tribune reported earlier this week that that the deal is expected to be done within the next few days. Um, so will he, or won't he Dom, I'm going to put you on the spot here by the time this episode airs, by the time people hear this episode in their ears, will on Friday, assuming they're listening early Friday, let's say before lunchtime on Friday, they're listening to this episode. Will Luisa Maria be an official announced member of Minnesota United? Yes or no? I think he probably will be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, 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 the tone and the, the flow of the conversation on, on social media has sort of from, from the various accounts that claim to, to know about, about this topic uh, has kind of reached a point where it just, and, and also just the timeline and how the season's drawing near, it's getting to a point where it's like, well, why wouldn't it happen in the next couple of days? Like, it, it doesn't quite, I don't quite know why it wouldn't unless some other sort of out of nowhere drama were to emerge. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to say it'll probably happen by the afternoon of Friday. I'm going to break the fourth wall here, Dom. You listening to this episode. I'm going to, Matt, I'm going to give you the name. I know a lot of Matt's. So there's, there's a, there's a strong probability that the, the person I'm talking to here is Matt. Matt, you listening to this episode mid morning on, on Friday or whatever time you're listening to it. My guess is by the time you listen to this episode, the smoke tweet will have gone out. Maybe the we have a signing to announce tweets, but I think we'll be in that low period between those tweets and the actual, (laughs) the actual announcements. That's a good point. At that point, point, if the smoke tweet and the we have a signing to announce tweets are going, that does mean Luis Amaria is signed, sealed, and delivered. It just means it hasn't officially been announced. So, Signed, yes. Announced, no. Okay. That's that's going to be my my guess. All right. Um, that's it for Minnesota United news. Uh, we will have a pretty uh, Minnesota United heavy episode next week with a few friends. little preseason round table uh, on next week's episode. It will be the day before the opener. So um, things will be a little bit different by next Friday by the time you listen to that episode. I'm just going to say that. Uh, more more interesting teasers here. All right. Uh, moving on, though. Minnesota Aurora. Handful of new player signings, most of them with Minnesota ties. We have kind of been wondering and, uh, you know, kind of thinking out loud on air about how much Minnesota presence is going to be or should be uh, in inside Minnesota Aurora's locker room in 2022 here. And there's going to be a lot. Um, there's going to be... Uh, Bemidji State All-Americans, goalkeepers from St. Thomas. Um, the first one, Jelena Zibolidzic. Uh, I am apologize if I'm butchering. I probably am butchering that last name. So I apologize. 
Um, she's from Excelsior, Minnesota, played at Tonka United and MTA before heading to UIC, University of Illinois, Sh- Chicago for college. Uh, All-American from Bemidji State, Megan Dahl from Rosemount. Um, she is going to be joining Minnesota Aurora. Goalkeeper Olivia Groutman from St. Thomas. We talked about her over the fall on the podcast, Dom. 85 saves in 17 matches for the Tommies this past season. So um, her and Sarah Fuller are going to be the two uh, the two main goalkeepers, it seems, for Aurora. Um, obviously, Sarah Fuller does have the D1 experience. She's won an SEC championship, so I have to imagine she's probably the front runner. But Groutman is probably going to give her a run for her money with these kind of accolades and kind of the performances that she's been able to put together for the Tommies. If she's able to translate those to you know, the, uh, the training pitch for Aurora, uh, may give the coaching staff a little bit more to think about at the goalkeeper position for Aurora. Uh, and then uh, Joe Bennett, who played college at Utah Tech during their transition from D2 to D1. She is not local, uh, but she is from Salt Lake City. Um, really good player at the D1 level. So she is coming aboard for Minnesota Aurora as well. So again, a handful of signings, um, you know, most all but one of them uh, with Minnesota ties. So obviously going to be a very local roster, but still good to see some some transplants coming in as well from other parts of the country to kind of, again, you know, it's it's good to be local, but it's also good to try to pull people in from other areas that you think could be, you know, a, a help to your squad. Yeah, of course, you know, we all want to, uh... Minnesota Aurora to obviously build a competitive roster that is designed to, you know, do well and, and be competitive and, and potentially uh, compete for, for high honors, whatever form that ends up taking with, with USLW league. Um, But at the same time, you know, we've talked before, you want these sorts of teams to have that local connection if for no other reason than to create a a conduit point for the community to, to stay connected with them and feel like the team actually represents uh the area in some some way uh, and that the players you know bear that that name with a sense of responsibility in some way uh so so very encouraging to see some local connections and it's kind of great that they also kind of come from a little bit of all over the place it's not just oh they have local connections so they got two or three people from this one school or or from this or from the twin cities um, you know, you got Bemidji connection in Celsius, you got uh, uh, St. Thomas, uh, you got, you know, a, a variety. There are U of M connections as well on the roster. Um, so so that that's great. That's great. You know, I, I remember uh, way back when the name options were coming out, you know, we kind of talked about how it was. I found it interesting that um, that the team was kind of going for like a, a state identity. Uh Whereas most amateur teams of, 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 I say this level is a new lead. So, you know, I guess the level isn't fully defined, but you know, the MPSL, the USLE twos, those sorts of uh, the WPSL, that sort of level, most teams kind of are very local in their identity. Very few even use the state name. Uh, And so anyway, you know, long story short, it's interesting to see and encouraging to see the team embrace that, have, sort of all these little pieces of the state represented on the roster. Um, and, and to your other points, yeah, uh, Fuller and, and Groutman should be a really interesting goalkeeper camp there. Uh, maybe there'll be a third added at some point. Um, but those two, you know, play clearly playing at a very high level, clearly very motivated, talented athletes. So uh, I agree that Fuller will be expected to, to start, and I imagine that that will end up happening. But 
uh, I'm sure that the training sessions between them and the competition for those minutes will also be uh, a really exciting thing for people to watch. Yeah, look out for Megan Dahl, too, from Bemidji State. She is a straight-up stud on the back line. Um, you know, Bemidji State D2, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of D1 talent on this team. So um, I don't want somebody like Megan to get overlooked just because she's a D2 player. She's an All-American for a reason. Um, and she's one I, – I expect her to be one of the better players at her position on this roster. No disrespect to anybody else on this roster, but she is she's very, very good. Um, so um, – yeah, really, really, really exciting stuff with Aurora as they continue to build out that roster. Um, obviously, more roster announcements to come. Um, these are roster announcements as of Wednesday evening, too. So there'll be even a couple more by the time you hear this episode, probably. Um, so again, exciting times. Um, on the men's side in lower league, we hit we get a return to the NPSL North in 2022. Twin Stars will be back in the conference after being absent in the 2020 and 2021 seasons, obviously a very well-known name in the Minnesota lower league soccer scene. Um, You know, really cool that they'll get to get back on the field with the likes of of Minneapolis city and Duluth, get, get those uh, interstate rivalries uh, back up and running uh, with the twin stars as they, they return to the, uh, to the North. Yeah, this is really exciting. Uh, I think folks that are sort of long time, NPSL North or, or just NPSL Midwest fans or, or uh, I'll use the, this word lovingly, but nerds uh, will, will enjoy seeing that name back in the mix. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, and unfortunately a lot don't know, uh, the, the Twin Stars are a historic organization in this state uh, that are several decades old. They are by far the oldest organization in the NPSL uh, North most of the other teams, of course, are are, are under a decade old. Um, they've been competing in the NPSL at uh, various forms long before the NPSL North existed. Uh, in, in the aughts, in the 2000s, they actually were uh, pretty successful and, and made some, some deep playoff runs, national runs. Uh, and, and in recent years, with the NPSL North developing and, and the level of competitiveness that's, that's been created by the, the Minneapolis cities and the Duluths and the Med cities, they have, you know, had less success in that sense, but uh, you know that's understandable because that was a really, really intense change in the the the, the level of the game at the at the you know men's adult uh, amateur level here. Uh, but but anyways, the, you know, it's a very historic organization. Its roots are in the the Mung community, and and over time, other communities have become a big part of it. Um, often with with again that sort of immigrant connection, which is is a great thing to embrace uh especially in, in such a global game so you know it, it's great to see them back in 2019 they there was at one point going to be a, a merging of them with with the maple brook organization and that actually did mm-hmm. technically happen for that that 2019 season they played as the maple brook twin stars um that that ended up some of that ended up being reversed and so now they're, they're back as the minnesota twin stars but uh yeah it's great it's great to see them back uh i don't know details about what the roster is going to end up looking like i imagine it's going to be very different names from what uh, we saw in past years just because every year already causes a lot of turnover let alone uh three years uh but uh but i look forward to it and I look forward to seeing um, what what they bring you know there's people i think sometimes people that don't pay a lot of attention to the npso north they see the, obviously the very competitive teams and they see the other teams and i think they don't always understand the place of those other teams but mm-hmm. it's very important to remember that 
there are big moves actually that get made from those smaller teams to those more competitive teams with players that change those teams. Uh, and those smaller teams have at times had some of the best players of the season, but they're not always surrounded by, you know, the right talent to necessarily compete yeah. for things. But, you know, there have been former, there were two players from Duluth's Midwest regional champ team that in 2019 played for the twin stars. Yep. And there are also twin stars players that have gone to Minneapolis city. And uh, uh, obviously one things with them, do they win things every year? Uh, you know, that, that those teams, those the Dakota fusions and the Sioux Falls thunders of the world as well. They are part of the ecosystem for a reason. They play a role. They obviously yep. have their own role fighting for points, but the people in them also are relevant to the conversations for all these teams. So it's great to see that organization back. Great to see you know, more more Twin Cities presence because that when I started getting involved in PSL North, the, the 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 heart of that division of that conference was you know the VSLT City and Twin Stars as that sort of Twin Cities core, and obviously yep. most of that disappeared uh, recently. So great to have some of that back. Also great, by the way, that the MPSL North is actually going to have a lot of teams in it again. Because yeah. uh, it was a little scary seeing that that conference shrink over time. That's not a good thing. It's good to have mm -hmm. a solid group of, of clubs. Uh, when you see these conferences that only have a couple teams, uh, that's usually a detrimental to the teams in them. So, uh, yeah, exciting from a historical standpoint. Also exciting from just a practical, you know, we want people to have games standpoint. And uh, yeah. I, I think we're going to have some some exciting stuff coming out of this team. Yeah, for sure. And that makes three teams in the Metro too, which is pretty exciting. Um, and obviously taking nothing away from, from Rochester and Duluth, but um, you know, the, the, you mentioned the, the twin cities sort of being the core kind of like that, that, that central point of the NPSL North. So uh, good to see that sort of being solidified as well with the return of the twin stars. Um, speaking of returning teams, uh, that's actually our inspiration for our top four this week. So we're going to do our top four dream or favorite real sports team revivals. So we can either do a hypothetical, we would love to see the sports team revived. We can actually pick a sports team revival that has happened um, and put that in the list as well. So it gives us some options. Uh, but first, before we do that, of course, we got a shout out. <clears throat> Excuse me, getting all choked up over here. Uh, shout out our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. I actually went and uh, had an in-person conversation with Jason over at Stimulus's new office um, in Minneapolis uh, just this week. Uh, they're going to be opening up a new storefront over there as well. Um, so a, a lot of a lot of fun stuff happening with Stimulus here over the over the next uh, next couple months. So be on the lookout for that from a local standpoint with Stimulus. But even if you're not a local club, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably somewhat local and probably part of a somewhat local soccer team. But, you know, Stimulus, what they do and what they provide is nationwide as well. They're located here in Minnesota, but they don't limit their clientele to Minnesota. I mean, they have the Anguilla national team for Christ's sakes. I mean, they were uh, a client of Stimulus Athletics and Stimulus provided them their game gear and apparel for their World Cup qualifiers. They've done the same for Tulsa Athletic, who uh, you know was a finalist for the MPSL National Championship last season. Uh, they've done the same for local clubs like Joy Athletic, Florida FC, uh, Minneapolis City FC, um, or Minneapolis City SC. They did the FC. They did the SC. Um, and Stimulus can do the same for your club too. It's quality game gear apparel at very affordable prices. There's a reason why all these clubs are choosing Stimulus. 
and why people are flocking to Stimulus Athletic for their game gear and apparel. Because they provide a great product and it's at a price that's not going to break your bank either. So just go have that initial conversation with them. That is free. Figure out what they can do for you. Figure out how they can help your club. Um, just go to StimulusAthletic.com and click that Get Started button. That is how you get started with Stimulus. Pretty simple. Click the Get Started button and you get started. Um, they have a design team. So if you don't have a design already or don't have a design in mind, um, they can help make that for you. If you already have a design, they can apply it to their game gear and apparel that they can uh, provide for you. No big deal with stimulus. I mean, stimulus is a big deal, but the process is a breeze. So go to stimulusathletic.com. Make sure you click that get started button. Let them know Jeremy and Dom from 10K sent you over there. All right, Dom, time for our top four. Top four dream or favorite real sports team revivals. And of course, this is inspired by the Minnesota Twin Stars returning to the NPSL North in 2022, as we just discussed. Um, I'm going to take the reins here and go first. And I'm going to start. This is my only soccer one. Okay, so I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, the rest of them are other sports. Uh, but my first one is the Minnesota Kicks. I think we talked uh, a couple weeks ago, Dom, about how we would love Minnesota United to do some sort of uh, homage to the Kicks, do some sort of throwback uh, Jersey Day like you see other teams do in other sports. Um, I think it would see it would be cool to see the kicks sort of revived in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's a lower league soccer team, whether that is kind of like the Thunder have done with like a youth development program named after it. Um, you know, however you can revive it, I think that that branding and that look and that name is it's too iconic to just sort of necessarily live in history. I understand that there's a vintage nature to it um, that you know is obviously super endearing, but. I would love to see it revived in some way, shape, or form, the kicks. Yeah, that would that would be great. And, you know, you do see in some parts of the country that those sort of old NS, NASL roots are alive and are um, embraced in, in various ways. And it would be great to, to have more of that up here for sure. Um, for my first one, I'll do... I'll do the one I was just thinking about because I had realized on the document that I brutally uh, typoed it. So my my uh, first one will be the Duluth Superior Dukes, which I for some reason wrote as the Duluth Saint Paul Saints, <laughs> um, and I had to uh, I, I had to change it because I wanted to make sure I didn't accidentally say it, um, which is you know a purposeful or not it's a, what's that Freudian slip kind of thing because they were both baseball teams. Um, yeah. The Duluth Superior Dukes were a. a independent pro baseball team kind of like the saints used to be uh that that were up here uh they played in in duluth um but they were called the duluth superior dukes uh and uh you know i never got to see them which is probably part of why i would want them to come back but uh, for for a nice chunk of time they were you know a a big conduit point of the, the sports community up here and they're the only professional side uh in this area in any sport and uh, you know it's a shame that uh, it's a shame that often cities that are very much cities like Duluth but are not the main market of the state or you know that sort of thing don't get to have professional sports really. Uh, I, I wish that was not the case, but it, but unfortunately for Duluth it is. Uh, we certainly benefit from the fact that the, the, 
UMD men's hockey team is essentially a professional team. Uh, but uh, but anyway, I, I think it'd be cool to have the, the Dukes back and have that, that experience of professional sports up here and, and have that conduit point for the baseball community and the, the, the Northland sports community back. Did you see Duluth was an answer on Jeopardy this last I week? did, and no one got it. Yeah, I mean... Unless you're in Minnesota, you probably don't know Duluth, Minnesota, to be honest. Unless you're in the Upper Midwest, I should say. I just specify. It was, it was a little rough though, because two of the yeah. two of the guesses, because the the prompt was basically like uh, this bid, you know, this big city is on the on Lake Superior. Basically, was yeah, it's like the, uh, with the population, I think it was like ninety thousand. This is yeah. the largest city to border Lake Superior. And two of the guesses weren't were cities that aren't even on the lake. Someone guessed yeah. like Minneapolis. I think there was Minneapolis, Green, Green Bay was another one. And then I can't yeah. remember what the third guess was, but maybe even Madison. I think two were in Wisconsin. Yeah, I think Madison was another one. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, Isn't unless people don't live in the upper Midwest, you don't really know, I guess. That's true. That's true. Like, I didn't know. I didn't, I'm not, I'd never heard of Duluth, Minnesota until I moved to Minnesota. You know, and I'm, I'm from Illinois, so I'm not that, that, that far away. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. you know, this is one of those mm. things you got to be here. Duluth is cool. Duluth is notable. Duluth should be more notable than it is. I'll give you that. Uh, but yeah. Um, now I, although, you know, as much like geography people are on as, you know, people on jeopardy are as good as they can be in geography, you know, it's, right. yeah, it is a little surprising that they didn't get it, but anyways, I digress. All right. My number two, uh, this is, uh, not a dream one. This is actually a, a real one that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the return of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, it just made no sense for New Orleans to have a team called the Hornets. This was very weird to me. Um, and I, I get kind of triggered by teams whose names are obviously from when they were in different parts of the country, like the Utah Jazz, speaking of New Orleans. <laughs> There's no jazz in Utah. At least, yeah. at least the LA Lakers, at least there are like 3,000 lakes in California. Right. So that, I mean, it's not, it's not as obviously prominent as Minnesota made more sense when it was Minneapolis, but there are, I think enough lakes in California that you can get by with Lakers um, in California. But yeah, yeah, like the Utah jazz um, is just the one that comes to mind as like the most like, yeah, that's definitely not what you would name a team if they started in Utah. Um, so it was cool that, that Charlotte got to have the Hornets back. Cause they were the Bobcats when they did the, the, so what's weird is they lost the Hornets, and then like two years later, they got another expansion team in Charlotte. And they named them the Bobcats, which is just like the most like video game, you know, yeah. career mode, name, franchise mode name of all time. Yeah. Um, so they finally got their name back, which is cool. So I was, I was, I mean, I was happy to I like you know, Charlotte. I'm a I used to be a big NBA fan back in the early 2000s. So to see one of those brands and one of those teams sort of make a bit of a return after being lost, uh, that was cool to me. So, like the Hornets. Quick question from a person who knows very little about basketball. Don't tell Ethan. Um, <laughs> but, because uh, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I vaguely understand the sport. I know some famous names and so on, but I don't know a lot. The Charlotte Hornets, are they the team owned by um, Michael, Michael Jordan? Jordan. Yes. Okay. Because okay. I thought that he owned a basketball team in that part of the country, but I couldn't yep. remember what it was called. So, all right. Yep. That's where he sort of resides now is in, is in right. North Carolina. 
Uh, so yeah, that's the team he owns. And there was actually a situation. They're not very good this year, I think. And there was a situation just like last week where like something happened and they showed him and he literally, cause he's up in his like, you know, owner's right. box. Right. Right. And he just like gets up and like walks out <laughs> sure. like, right in the middle of the game. Uh, yeah, they're not very good, but yes, that is the team. He owns. That's a weird position to be in as a player. Cause you're like, wow, it's really cool that like my boss is like the greatest of all time. But that also means that the greatest of all time sees everything I mess up. Yeah, and I'm not exactly. on a great team, so I'm probably making a lot of mistakes. That's, mm-hmm. uh, For sure. that's a tough one. Um, speaking of great teams, my number two is is going to be uh, – this kind of connects to a, a previous topic from the show – is uh, is VSLT, which uh, mm-hmm. was a MPSL North member. And as an organization, still you know exists in some form. They're not dead. But um, they're obviously not competing at that, at that level right now. Uh, that sort of high amateur level and uh you know I, I when you talk to anybody that's uh certainly not just in duluth but in, in the cities around all the different teams when you talk to folks that have been involved in the mpso north from you know more or less the entire time it's existed about what you know something they missed something they wish was bad almost all of them will mention wanting vslt back uh because it was a, it was a great team very competitive they played a, a very good brand of of um soccer but they also had, you know, a great sort of unique personality. They, um, the, the roots of that team of that club were very much in the Latino community in the Twin Cities, and uh, and that also reflected often in the player pool and the coaching of that team. And uh, but it, so it, it kind of brought something a little different from what a lot of other a lot of the other teams looked like and played like, and they just they had this great character to them. Uh, and uh, they the last uh, in 2018 they played in. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the stadium, but in St. Paul, um, briefly, the Thunder actually uh, played there. Uh, it's kind of this great sort of concrete, you know, arena <laughs> looking, yeah. uh, looking play. Gosh, I can't remember what it was called. But anyways, yeah, it was just, it was just a great, a great kind of community club. You go to the game and the families of the players and the owners and stuff are all there helping with the food. And, you know, the kind of thing that you like to see in the NPSL. And, uh, yeah, uh, they used to be very active on social media as well. Um, but anyway, so, it, you know, it's too bad they haven't been around. And hopefully that happens one day they come back. But, uh, yeah, I definitely miss VSLT being around. Yeah, some real, a really good rivalry between them and uh, Minneapolis City, too. Mm-hmm. When they were around. That was, uh, that was awesome. Uh, my number three is very recent. It's a, re- it's a recency bias thing. I, I – I, I really hope that we get some sort of like April Fool's okie doke and this whole Washington Commanders thing is not real. What a <laughs> terrible name. Just when yeah. people, just when people are, are really, st- that's a classic, this is a classic like one percenter decision where you're like, eh, oh, people are starting to like this. Um, we're going to change it just for the sake of changing it. People are really starting to like and embrace Washington football team. Yeah, we're just going to change it. I, I would... I didn't like Washington football team at first. It grew on me very, very quickly. Um, and I thought they should just keep it. Honestly, when they were talking about a new name, I'm like, just keep it Washington football team. It's super unique. Like it's, I don't know. It's as a soccer fan, it kind of you know reminds me of like whatever football club, right? You know? So um, I don't know. I thought it was cool. I thought it was unique. I thought it was actually a pretty good name by the time, you know, it came down to it. Um, and I think people, like I said, were really starting to like it and embrace it as the team name and then boom all of a sudden nope we're gonna be the commanders what does make that's a terrible name anyways yeah. so yeah 
Uh, my dream sports team revival would be that we just get the Washington football team back because I actually think that was a good name. No, I, yeah, I, I I definitely get what you mean. I think that I think there was a lot of potential to keeping to that sort of more old school brand. And if you're going to change, if you are going to then make the leap to return it into more of a sort of classic American name kind of thing, you got to go with something that has more popular support. And there were so many things that popped up over the years that people liked a lot. And none of them were the commanders. <laughs> yeah. So it uh, just didn't quite make sense. Didn't quite make sense. And I, obviously, I, I appreciate that the uh, effort was made to uh, remove the original name. But, you know, then there's no, you know, once you do that and you got this thing people kind of like, it's like you can take your time and and uh, and find something that really fits. And it doesn't seem like what they what they found really fit. It um, seems so forced, and that's exactly what yeah. they said they weren't going to do. That's why it was the Washington football team for two years is because they said they didn't want to force a new team name, and they wanted to you know, go through due diligence and find one that people were going to like, and they failed. And it kind of – I just thought of this because you, you kind of made a similar point with the uh, the Bobcats, with the, the basketball team. Uh, commanders, like there's something like high schoolish about it to me. Yeah. There's something kind of like not – NFL about it to me. It's like minor but, league baseball. It reminds me of yeah, minor league baseball. Yeah, it, it, it's a little too gimmicky or something. I don't know, but yeah, very gimmicky. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But uh, I, I guess that transitions well to to, to one of my options uh, in the sense that it's a football team that, uh, if it were to come back, definitely shouldn't be called what it was called. But um, the some people don't know. Most people don't know this. But Duluth used to have an NFL team in the 1920s uh, before the NFL, of course, is what it was now or what it is now. Uh, this is also, of course, before the, the union of, of the two uh, American football leagues. But uh, and they, they were called the Duluth Eskimos, which they definitely shouldn't be called if they were brought back. Um, but I think it's really cool that there is uh, a history of, of professional sports at all that early in Duluth's history. And also, you know, in the NFL, it's not like some kind of like random thing. I don't know that got lost in the ether. It's an NFL team. <laughs> like it's, you know, yeah. the and it's not like something that was called the NFL. It's not like the NASL and the NASL. No, it was the NFL. It was just yeah. before the NFL grew into what it is now. Uh, and I think that's really cool. And, you know, there's, you, there's photos and stuff and, and some, some snippets and books and stuff that people have, have kind of written in, about all this. And it's, it's just an interesting part of the city's history. And actually, um, George Clooney made a movie about like an early American football team. I think John Krasinski yeah. was in it. That's about Duluth. Yep. So like you know, it's it's not even like it's not even like this sort of whatever like thing that happened. Like people know about this part of history. It's like yeah, yeah. So I, I just think it would have been cool if, in some shape or form, that could have continued or grew into something else or you know that sort of thing because people certainly like football here um mm -hmm. and uh and anyway i think it's also just a cool fun fact that there was an nfl franchise in Duluth. so that's my there's actually an nfl franchise in my home area too so i'm from the quad cities if you've ever been to the western portion of illinois it's actually the most populous area between st louis and minneapolis if you go straight up the mississippi um so fun fact there, but also fun fact around that same time frame, Moline, my hometown had an NFL team as well. So yeah, good stuff. All right. My fourth and final one, speaking of my hometown and my home area, this, this 
dream sports team revival is for only about four people who listen to this podcast. And it's all my family who listens to this podcast. They're going to be the only ones who actually understand this. Um, the Quad City Mallards. Now, quick TLDR on the Quad City Mallards. Uh, minor league hockey team in the Quad Cities, which is, my, again, my home area. Um, played in the UHL, the United Hockey League, for a long time. And then they were part of the ECHL um, for their like last few years of existence, which is sort of like the double A of hockey, if you will. Um, but the Mallards are just like an iconic franchise in in, in our home area. Um, they, they were around for almost for better part of two decades. Um, they were actually the first hockey team, pro uh, pro hockey team, so major or minor league, to have five straight 50-win seasons, actually. They did that in the, the late 90s. So um, just a lot of a lot of history going to Mallards games as a kid. Um, where, you know, the Quad Cities, it's a, like I said, most populous area in that, in that distance. But, you know, it's not a Chicago. It's not a Minneapolis. It's not a St. Louis. It's not a, not even really a Des Moines. Uh, but yet we have this, like, you know, ra- you know how, like, random small towns sometimes pop up with these, like, sports arenas and they'll host like random things there um we have one of those in the quad cities and like it had like ten thousand seats and we would like fill it for these like minor league hockey games when i was a kid it would be like packed and it was just so much fun uh so yeah if i could now now they're the quad city thunder i think oh no 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 sorry the quad city storm because the mallards folded now they're the quad city storm and they play in another league and it's not nearly as popular as the mallards were so if i could revive one team uh, it would be the Quad City Mallards. There's, there's definitely something that will always be, uh, yeah, very like uh, a, a romanticism about those, you know, small, small town or not small town, but uh, local uh, solar market. Yeah, you know, sort of pro but semi-pro that that whole kind of trying to grind their way up the the ladder sort of thing. That there's always going to yeah. be a, a great sort of romanticism about that, um, which to a degree kind of kind of. Yours keep flowing very well into mine, uh, which go, goes to to my last one, which is is going to be sort of like the obvious one to say in a Minnesota soccer podcast. But it, it's going to be the Minnesota Thunder, who uh, sort of, in a way, exist uh, still. Obviously, there's the Minnesota Thunder Academy. But uh, I, I'm addressing this specifically to the, the professional, you know, professional league, professional team side of all that um, that played uh, in the USL. A, a very a very different form of the USL than what we have now, but yeah. uh, in the USL, and uh, you know I, I have some memories. I actually went to um, two games as a kid. My I had a friend whose parents took me along with with him. Uh, it was the first time I ever watched live professional uh, soccer. Uh, I was from River Falls, Wisconsin, so uh, there was no other option, yeah. no other option unless they wanted to make a very long drive. Uh, so yeah, I, I have fond memories of, of going to those, those games, um, brief memories. And to be honest, I couldn't tell you who they were playing. Um, I was a little too young, I think to fully grasp some of that, but, but I, you know, I enjoyed being there. I remember at halftime, we were like allowed to like go onto the track and kick a ball around and stuff. And, um, I just have a lot of good memories of, and, and appreciation for that experience. And I know a lot of people have an appreciation for that team. And, you know, there's some unfortunate memories about how all that ended 
And uh, I, I think it'd be cool if in some way that that identity could be brought back. And, uh, you know, who, who doesn't want Thor as their mascot? I think yep. I think uh, I think we've we've gone too far away from the ridiculous American mascots. I want just a person dressed as a Marvel character slash Norse God running around the sideline uh, telling us to get pumped up. So I, I think it'd be cool if if one day there's a professional entity a professional incarnation of that thunder history again i would just love to see soccer teams just go so far away from the united and fc and completely back to like late 90s mls team names like if charlotte fc in two years was like no we're going to be like the charlotte i don't know the charlotte lightning bolts or you know like something (laughs) like that like i want that so badly yeah it's completely transitioned i'm I'm fully like embrace the weird guy when it comes to MLS, obviously. I mean, I was almost foaming at the mouth last week talking about that ridiculous Caden Clark transfer back to back to the Red Bulls. Uh, so I love all those things that make MLS just so weird and so different. And to me, like, I don't know. Like, I would love for Minnesota United to be like, okay, yeah, no, we're actually going to be the Minnesota Kicks now or like the Minnesota Thunder. Like, you know, like they have United and FC in their name. You know, it's like so ridiculous. It's like unnecessary. Uh, But I would love to see sort of like a switch back, like the Kansas City Wizards and like, you know, all those, all those teams um, that were, you know, like, like if the Tampa Bay Rowdies became like a member of the, of the MLS, I think that'd be pretty awesome. Um, So yeah, I'm fully in in favor of like, like major American professional sports names for soccer teams. That's absolutely. Anyways, all right. That was our top four. That is this week's episode.